Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. We record live every Friday from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Join us each week for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. Welcome to this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock, Off the Clock, where we take a look at the journey of somebody within the digital marketing space. I couldn't be more excited for today's guest, and it's going to be a little bit different this week, as we have an industry veteran who really helped build the SEO community, made it to the top of the profession, and then left at the peak one year ago. Welcome to the show, Ray Dolan of AMI House Buyers. Welcome, Ray. Thank you. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. How is it down in Texas? Um, it is cold, or at least our cold. It's not y'all's cold. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, it is our cold down here for the last week. I hear you on that. So in case you're confused to any listener out there, yes, I did say AMI House Buyers. And Ray, what is the elevator pitch if you are on a very short elevator? What is AMI House Buyers, and what are you currently doing? So AMI House Buyers, um, so what am I currently doing? There's multiple things. Um, AMI House Buyers uh, is a company that buys properties off market. So they buy them off the MLS. Um, and so a lot of times what we're dealing with with AMI are uh, distress, what we refer to as distressed sellers. Um, so a seller might be facing foreclosure and be three or four weeks away from auction. Um, there's a, a multitude of different things that can constitute a distressed seller. Um, and so we work with them and, and we're upfront with them. We solve a problem that they have and we acquire the property at a discount. Um, these properties usually are in need of work. It's very rare that, you know, they're, they're super nice, well-kept, uh, up-to-date houses. Um, they're usually either very dated or they have very expensive repairs that the homeowners, um, couldn't afford to do long before they stopped paying their mortgage. So, uh, you know, the issues sometimes can compound themselves. Um, and so that's what we do with AMI. And then I also, uh, got my real estate license. So I also do standard, uh, realtor work. Um, and a lot of times I will offer if somebody is, uh, distressed, but has the ability to still sell on market, um, I'll offer for them to do that. Uh, even though it's less money to me at the end of the day. But, um, so the reason that AMI house buyers acquires these properties is because we either renovate them and flip them, um, or we keep as rentals or sometimes we sell the actual contracts. So, um, I put a lot of offers out, um, and sometimes, you know, I'll have more offers accepted, um, than I realize. Um, and so we get all of our money through private money lenders. Um, so not banks, not hard money, just people that we know they're looking for, you know, a good return on their cash. Um, and so that's how we purchase the houses. Um, but sometimes we end up, you know, all of the money is full and working on other projects and we'll have a contract come in. Um, so sometimes we sell the contracts too, which in the industry is referred to as wholesaling. Um, but typically the houses are like stray cats to me. I get them <laughs> and I want to keep so. Okay. Yeah, that was like the best elevator pitch ever. <laughs> I think you covered you covered that all. And and folks, this also is not a real estate podcast, but we're going to get into it. So that's a little disclaimer here. <laughs> but this is very much a marketing podcast, and we're going to hear why and how uh, Ray is kind of here today. But that that's perfect. So it sounds like kind of a little bit of all the different facets from flips and wholesaling and buy and hold um, in the real estate space. And we're going to get to how you got there today. But before we do, Ray, is there one job that people don't know that any time in your life, is there a job that people don't know you've had? So it's interesting because I've been self-employed uh, almost my entire adult life. Um, so, and I know, you know, there's a lot of posts where I mention, um, that I used to be a waitress. Um, so I did, I, I worked as a waitress at a lot of places. Um, but as far as like that, a lot of people don't know, um, my first job ever was at Dunkin' Donuts and I couldn't eat donuts until I was probably <laughs> in my mid thirties. Um, because I worked at a Dunkin' Donuts, uh, from when I was 15 to 16. All right. And, uh, I, I know that, that you are now, I believe, brand loyal to Tim Hortons. So that is yes. <laughs> something that is a little embarrassing, but that's, that's yes. awesome. 
Okay, and before, obviously after Dunkin' Donuts, um, I know that you were started back in the pre-2000 era is, is when you had initially gotten into digital marketing. And your story is, is a little different than some others. It wasn't like there were masters in SEO from different universities. What brought you online um, in the first place back in the, in the 90s? Um, so originally, so I had my, uh, first son in 1997. So I have four kids. Um, but my oldest was born in 1997. And so he was born perfectly healthy, but he suffered a massive bilateral stroke when he was two weeks old. Um, and they, they, they never did find out why, but, um, so back then pediatric stroke was thought to be a lot rarer, um, than they would later find out that it was. Um, and so my dad initially gave me an old office computer of his, um, so that I could get on the internet, um, and, and research my son's condition. Um, so that was kind of how I started on the internet, you know, on, on a dial up, I was in my, you know, late, 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 uh, or sorry, early twenties, um, before I ever got on the internet. So, um, through doing that, I ended up long story short, I founded the first, uh, international support group for parents and families of pediatric stroke survivors to ever register with the American Heart Association or the National Stroke Association. So um, I ran that online uh, for a few years. And, you know, I, I was just trying to do, I was just trying to find other parents who might need our information. And so, um, you know, and in reality, I was marketing, um, but I didn't know that's why I was marketing um, or, you know, that that's what I was doing. And uh, I remember like, you know, people would contact me and say they found the page and I could never figure out like, you know, how they were finding me and they were finding me in the, the search engines. Um, for a long time, I would find articles that I could find about pediatric stroke and I would link to them from this website. So I had, you know, a resources page, um, which was basically all the research that I was able to find on the internet. So I kind of created this little mini niche directory category, I guess you could call it. And so, um, you know, at, at some point, the, the national organizations like the National Stroke Association and the American Heart Association, which owns the American Stroke Association, um, they actually were linking to my website because I had the largest collection of um, pediatric stroke information like housed in one spot. Um, so I started with that, uh, and that was really taking a lot of my time. Um, and I couldn't hold a full-time job because my son was in and out of the hospital, um, on a regular basis. Um, and so I said, well, you know, there's gotta be a way to like make money on the internet. I can do all this other stuff on the internet. There's gotta be a way to make money on the internet. Um, and so I looked it up and I actually didn't find SEO and I didn't find what I found was a program um, called Cognigen. And so they uh, basically had a website called LD.net. But what they did was they sold long distance plans. So that's how, how old I am in this industry is back when you used to have to pay to make long distance phone calls. Um, and so they sold long distance plans. And so I thought I was like, you know, if I can just get like the parents that belong to the support group, to sign up for long distance plans, um, then, you know, maybe that'll make it so that I can just spend my time, you know, doing this website and getting this information together. Um, but as I got like a little deeper into what Cognigen was and like looking at the options, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm really comfortable with like crossing the streams and, and mixing those two. Um, so I went on on to the message board at the message boards at Cognigen. Um, and I said, Hey guys, you know, I, I found this program. I want to promote it. Like, how do I promote it? And somebody said, well, you need to build a website. And so I said, okay. So I came back a week later and I said, um, I built a website and this was by the way, like 20 hours of my life every single day. Um, you know, feeding kids sitting on my lap at the computer desk, like every spare second, um, that I had, I was at the computer desk. And so I come back in about a week and I said, okay, I built this website. What do I do now? And they said, well, now you need to learn SEO. Um, so you're talking, you know, this is late nineties, early two thousands. Um, and so, you know, I go, I come back in a week and I'm like, okay, I put, you know, meta keywords and blah, blah, blah. And I like mentioned all this, you know, cool SEO stuff that I did. Um, and this guy hits me up on the message board, like in private DM. Um, and he says, did you really learn all that in the last two weeks? And I said, yeah. And he goes, um, 
well, I think you're you're going to be able to do really well in this industry. He's like, so I'd like to be someone that that mentors you and maybe you can come in because a lot of the affiliate programs um, had like, you know, second tier and third tier where you'd get pay, paid off the people you brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he goes, you know, and maybe you sign up under me for something one day. Um, and I was like, okay. And, you know, unbeknownst to me, the guy that contacted me, um, was actually Mike Mackin who received the affiliate marketing legend award from affiliate summit, uh, a few years ago. So I had no idea who he was at the time, but, um, you know, he, he reached out to me and and he introduced me to some people and they never taught me how to fish or sorry, I should say they never gave me fish. They taught me how to fish. Um, and so, you know, really like, and I, I tell Mike this still to this day that like that DM, uh, changed my life. Um, you know, and Michael always joked back and say, well, you know, you would have done it whether you met me or not. Um, and I said, well, yeah, but you know, it gave me, you know, he said I would have done it with an anchor around my neck, but (laughs) I said, but it gave me, you know, this, this great start. Um, and Mike kind of introduced me to the world over at Webmaster World. And that was where I kind of really started to hone what I was doing SEO wise. Um, and I was ranking like top of the SERPs for all these different, uh, long distance terms. Um, and then, uh, one of the guys that Mike introduced me to is this guy named Rod B and Rod introduced me to the world of Fentermine. Um, and so that was actually the second industry that I ever played around in. And it was the second industry I ever tried to rank in. Um, and, and anybody that, that hasn't been an SEO for a long time back, back then we used to joke that, you know, there were the three big industries, PPC, porn pills and casino. Um, and those were the three hardest industries to rank in. And they were the three hardest industries, you know, they were, they were full of the most spam and in, in Google's baby days when, um, you know, they weren't as good at, fighting spam. Um, and so what kind of made me known to, to people in the industry, um, was that I was, I didn't know anything about spamming. I just built websites and did things the way that Google, you know, that, that people said you were supposed to, to do, you know, what we would refer to as white hat SEO. Um, and so I, how I kind of made my aim was I was, that girl um, who ranked number one for bifenamine um, using white hat methods, you know, nowadays they might be looked at a gray hat, but back then <laughs> they were, you know, by search engines. So, and, um, so was yeah, that, that's kind of how I fell into affiliate. And was that approach of saying, I'm going to do this in this, this, you know, or this white hat format, was that something you had thought through? Was it something you, you made that, that conscious decision on that you were going to take that path? No, that wouldn't be until, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I didn't, I didn't stay on that path okay. <laughs> my entire career. Um, so no, I mean, I, I kind of just, you know, the way that, that Mike and Rod, you know, the, the way that Webmaster World was back in the day, I remember one of my big things and you'll probably laugh at this. One of my, one of my big things was I found this post that was like, it was something like how to do SEO from A to Z. Um, and I remember sending Rod a message on AOL and I was like, Hey, I found this post. Like, is it really accurate? And he was like, uh, he goes, uh, yeah, I think you can trust the guy who wrote it. And he laughed. And I said, well, why are you laughing? And he goes, he goes, you don't know who Brett Tabke is. And I was like, no, I have no idea. Like who, <laughs> who is Brett Tabke? Um, who's the guy who owned Webmaster World. So, I mean, I just kind of used that as a, a Bible, but where, where I was good was figuring out link development, right? Like figuring out ways to get links that were within their guidelines at the time. So like on the Fenermine site, I created this ridiculous weight loss journal, which was basically just like, you know, PDFs. It was like a a PDF thing of like that you could print out and then use to like, you know, document what you ate for the day. Um, and I don't know, you know, Greg, I don't, I don't know how old you are, but back in the day, there were all these free sites that you could go to that would show you like free things you could get on the internet. Oh yeah. Um, 
And so I basically just submitted this thing to like tons of free sites. Um, and that was how I was getting all of these <laughs> links, you know, natural links to the website without paying for them and without doing comment spam and, and things along those lines. Um, so really that's, that's kind of been my strength, but um, in 2004, the Florida update happened, um, which was, was a Google update. Um, and, and Google used to update like every six to eight weeks. Right. So, uh, now, nowadays, like, man, y'all have no idea how, how spoiled you are. Like you can make a change to your website and like three days later, you can see whether or not it's affecting your rankings. Um, back then we used to have a thing called the Google dance. And so every six to eight months, Google would shuffle its data centers and whatever the results were when it stopped dancing was what the results were going to be until the next time it shuffled its, its index. Um, and so if you ranked number one for by phenamine at the end of that that six yeah, at the end of that shuffle, that's pretty much where you were going to be for the next six weeks, no matter how it was that you got yeah. there. Um, You're gonna have a good few months. So exactly, like you you were you you kind of knew like I can afford steak. Um, so. Uh, but so the Florida update was this update that Google did that just wiped out every one of my sites. Like, um, all the sites that I spent all this time doing things, you know, according to their guidelines, all of my sites were wiped out and a bunch of my friends were, you know, spammers and, um, they were all fine. And so I had no way to know at the time, Google would end up realizing that that update actually was a bad update. And so two months later, they would roll it back with an update called Brandy, um, or at least that, that webmaster world called Brandy. And so um, they would, uh, they would you know, all my sites came back in Brandy, but I didn't know that was gonna happen when Florida first happened. And so I was kind of like, well, if I have, if I have the risk of losing either way, I may as well play fast and loose because it's way easier to rank and it doesn't hurt as bad when you, you lose stuff. Um, and you know, when, when your, when your sites get tanked. So, um, you know, from 2004, I'd say to like 2006 or seven, um, you know, it's funny when I did my retirement post, I had to sit down and like figure out all these dates. Um, yeah. but for the next few years I did, I spammed the hell out <laughs> of Google and had its own algorithm for a while. Um, and then, uh, MSN, I think was still using Inktomi when I first started spamming and then they flipped over to their, their own algorithm shortly thereafter. Um, but yeah, so I spent the, the next two years basically as, as we used to jokingly refer to it, spamming and jamming, um, you know, until I finally realized that Google was making huge progress in the war on spam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that 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 to me is one of the things where I know there would always be these panels, and you'd have you know some some affiliates like yourself, and then some of those other spammer jammer type folks, and you know to to me I always thought of you as that what you had talked about before with with the way to create content in a way that would kind of stand out and work organically, so. Um, you know, you did the, the, the dark arts for a few years. And then, you know, <laughs> after that, you, you went back and say a few years afterwards and, and focused in on those affiliate sites and, and again, doing it, um, according to webmaster guidelines. Well, yeah. And that's kind of how, um, so for, for a while there, um, I owned the largest prepaid cell phone site on the internet, or I should say the one with the most reviews. So, and that kind of came from, so I'd been spamming for a few years. Um, Google was definitely getting better. I mean, it used to be throw a hundred sites against the wall, 90 of them would stick. Um, when we got down to like 40 of them would stick, I was like, okay, this is a, a, <laughs> this is, this is a, you know, lower, low ROI coming at this point. Um, but there was an industry that I had been spamming in, um, which was prepaid cell phones because track phone had a prepaid or had an affiliate program for their phones. Um, and I had noticed that like nobody was doing it content, like nobody. Um, I think at the time it was like CNET had a page that had like four of the prepaid phone providers like listed on it, but they weren't doing any reviews. And so there was, there was 
no in-depth content on it and nobody was doing any reviews on it. Um, and so I said, you know, I think I'm going to create a, a review site um, to kind of promote track phones. I already knew it was profitable if you could rank because I had done it with the black hat stuff. Um, and so I was actually at, uh, wits, which was a conference called webmasters in the sun. It was mainly spammers, a few of us that weren't. Um, and so we used to go twice a year, we would go to San Diego and then the other time we would go to Marbella, Spain. And so I was in San Diego on a boat um, talking with one of the guys, uh, a guy named Jimmy, who was a good friend of mine. And so I was telling him this idea that I had and I said, I want to create this review site. And so again, to anybody who's super young listening to this, um, you know, WordPress wasn't really a thing. <laughs> um, we had, we had movable type definitely weren't any review plugins. There weren't, you know, there, there was not an easy, I mean, it was, it was a custom code job. That was the only way that you could really create a review site back in 2006. Um, and so, uh, I had said to him, I said, you know, I, I just, because I knew he had a programming background. And so I said, I'm just, I'm like a, a person that, that doesn't speak a foreign language, trying to hire somebody that's an expert in that foreign language. Um, I was like, so like, how much should I be paying for this, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, he gives me an amount that I can expect to pay to have the review system I need developed. And I said, well, is that something you can do for me? Um, and he said, you know, he goes, he goes, you're my friend. So I'm going to tell you the truth. He's like, you'll be way better off just hiring somebody. He's like, because if you bring me in and I'm involved, he's like, I'm going to want half of the, the company. And I said, well, you know, I knew he was like really successful in business um, and, and he was he was a really good person to me. So um, and we just we we got along very well, and worked very well together. So I was like, you know, actually, I'd rather have you as a partner and I'd rather, um, you know, learn what I can from that relationship. And I'm, I'm perfectly happy to to, you know, give up half the, the company to have you as a partner because I just felt like he had so much he could teach me. Um, and so we did, we went and started, uh, that website. Um, and by the time that we sold it in 2013, it had over 30,000, um, reviews from people who had used, uh, you know, the various, I think we had like 23 or 24 prepaid cell phone providers. Um, and it was, it was interesting because one of the guys who, uh, he was my first hire at MFE. He worked for me for, he worked for me at MFE and then he moved with me to Pushfire. Um, and now he actually works, um, with the SEO team at CBS. Um, cool. and I hired him. He hadn't done any SEO. He just, he had an English degree. He had actually like quit his job in a rage and just decided he would find something else. And I hired him on Craigslist. And I think the joke with his parents for the next like seven years was when he was going to go out and get a job <laughs> um, <laughs> because, you know, he, he worked from home full time. Um, but it was interesting because one year, and again, this is like, you know, where we took the extra mile, right? So, um, there was this research that came out. It was like this market research and it was like $2,500 to buy this market research on the prepaid cell phone industry and like demographics and who uses it and blah, blah, blah. And it was like this really in-depth research. Um, and so we bought it and we spent, you know, or, you know, I should say Joe spent the next several months, um, you know, really like parsing through this information. And so we had all this information coming out that wasn't common knowledge on the web you know, about the carriers and the providers and the future and mergers and things along those lines. We just had all these, this information that wasn't anywhere else because you had to pay $2,500 to get the information. Um, and so we actually ended up with an offline column in a print newspaper called the prepaid press. Um, and then I sent Joe to a prepaid cell phone conference um, one year and I remember him coming back and he just found it so hysterical that like everybody there knew who he was and he was like crazy. <laughs> like we really are like, the, the thing for, for the prepaid cell phone industry. And I'm like, yeah, this is, is pretty awesome. You know? And so, um, prepaid that, that website was, was making, uh, a hell of a lot of money. 
Um, and Jimmy and I worked really well together. So we were like, well, let's, let's go out and, 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 you know, build some other websites and do this in some other industries, uh, which we did. And we formed MFE interactive and went on to build multiple other sites. Um, I think at our height, we were doing like 4 million page views a month. Um, so between AdSense, yeah, between AdSense and, I mean, it was like, it was me, Jimmy's, you know, programmer in wherever he was and, you know, two or three guys that worked as like content guys and link builders. Um, and so we had like 4 million page views a month. So between AdSense and then the affiliate programs, which, which our play was more the affiliate programs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just different things for, for conversions. So like on the, the prepaid cell phone site, um, you know, every page was built that we had an overview about the provider. Um, and then underneath of that, there would be links. And so it would say like shop for plans, visit their official website. Um, and then, uh, AdSense would be listed after that. So my, my primary focus was the affiliate stuff, like get off my site, go buy something. But if you're not going to do that, by all means, click on the ads. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And, and so it's really, was like kind of the first wirecutter.com, you know, where it's, Being just super helpful, getting all that information, compiling it, and and doing this for the user, not necessarily, you know, the the search engine, which is which is awesome. So yeah, but we also we also kept an eye on conversions. So like for Mm -hmm. instance, so on all these, so not every every provider that we had on there had an affiliate program, right? I'd say probably half of them did. Um, and all the big name ones did. So, um, but we put the, if they were a prepaid cell phone company, they went on the site because again, we were trying to be the complete resource, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there were, there were interesting little tweaks that, that I made that now that I'm out of the industry, I feel more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> discussing. Um, but like, so on every provider's page was the provider's logo. Now, if there was an affiliate program, we linked the logo to their website. Oh. If there was not an affiliate program, we would not link their logo to the website. Um, and that came from uh, click tracking studies um, that just showed us that people kept clicking on the logos. So mm-hmm. we're like, well, if there's an affiliate program, we want we want the cookie dropped on your machine. So like, by all means, like accidentally click and go to whatever that program was. Um, but we didn't want to be, you know, having them immediately exit if, we, we weren't, if we had no, no, uh, uh, you know, incentive to do so, then we wanted to keep you on the the site longer. We wanted you to hopefully click on one of the ads or click on another provider or, um, you know, but we, you know, we still link to shopping for their plans and we still link to their website. Um, every page was uniform, but it was, it was little tweaks like that. Like, you know, like I said, link the logos on the affiliate pages and not linking them on the other pages. Um, that kind of helped us maximize, you know, the, the revenue. My, my joke back then was, um, Engadget was a huge blog back then. Um, and so Engadget was like everything technology and they didn't do any affiliate marketing. And they were probably like the thing that made me cry myself to sleep at night the most. Um, because I would always say like, God, just give me give me the reins at Engadget for like six months. Um, and we will be producing so much income via affiliate programs. Like it was just, it, it was crazy. It drove me nuts, drove me nuts that that site at its height, um, you know, was not doing any type of affiliate. I don't know if they eventually did later, but I know when they were at their height where like they were the big dog, um, they were not. And it drove me absolutely mad. <laughs> I can hear that today still. <laughs> Um, and, and, and we've talked about so far, really just a lot of these organic efforts and, you know, is that mainly how you drove all of the traffic and where the majority of the revenue came from was on the organic side? I know back in the day you, you could do a little more with paid as well, but did you do mainly, um, standard SEO? Oh yeah, I was, I was definitely, you know, it was interesting because I considered myself an SEO, like up, up until I'd say like 2009, I don't think I ever really referred to myself as an affiliate. I referred to myself mm-hmm. as an SEO. And it was interesting because then I, I think that's one of the things that kind of helped me build my reputation was that, um, you know, that in my experience, um, a huge portion of affiliate marketing is done through pay-per-click. 
Um, because it's hard to create, you know, unique content centered around the affiliate program. It's, it, it's hard to create that, that content resource that you can monetize through affiliate. Um, and so a lot of affiliate marketing is done through, you know, email lists, email blasts, um, pay-per-click, et cetera. And so I, I 100% did mine through SEO. Actually, that's not true. So there was this time back in, I want to say it was like 2002, um, and I had a buddy that was killing it on affiliate with PBC and he like legitimately copied his PBC campaign and said, here, just run it. You know, there's multiple spots. And this was back when it was, uh, overture and mm -hmm. I, it just wasn't my thing. <laughs> it just, it was not my thing. I did not have the talent for that, but with SEO, it was like, you know how like Neo looks and other people see, you know, he sees like the matrix and that's me with SEO. Like I, I loved it. I loved every second of it. Um, you know, I, I, I ate it, I breathed it, I slept it. Um, it was, it was all I wanted to do. Um, yeah, you, you took so, the blue pill. Yeah, I did. And I, I was very much, you know, known as an SEO. I was the SEO who did affiliate marketing. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't an affiliate marketer, so to speak. I think the first time actually that I went to an affiliate summit was in like, 08 or 09 and that that was really the first time that I had ever been to like an affiliate centric themed and I was like holy crap like there's so many people that do this but in the in the SEO community um, and I think still to this day in the SEO community you know affiliate marketing is misunderstood by probably half the, the SEO community. Um, so, or at least, you know, they only have a, a very high level working knowledge of it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I was straight SEO, um, you know, and I kind of fell into speaking at, at public conferences. Um, I had never actually pitched to speak at a conference when I spoke at <laughs> my first conference. Um, there was what a conference was that? That they were doing. Uh, that was Webmaster World. God, it was in like 04, I think. Um, but it was at one of the, I know it was at one of the pub cons. I believe it was in Vegas, but don't quote me on that. Um, but there was a panel that they were doing. They were doing a site review panel. Um, and actually Tim Meyer from at, at, at the time, I don't know if he was with Yahoo, but Tim Meyer, who used to be with Yahoo, who now I'm not sure where he's at, but um, he used to be like the Yahoo rep. And so anyway, he was on this site review panel um, and where he was supposed to be. And he had a last minute emergency that he couldn't show up. Um, and I was standing in the hallway of talking to somebody and I see Brett Tabke, who by now I know, and he comes walking out of the door and he like looks around and he sees me and he goes, Ray, come with me. And I'm like, okay, I'm like following him into the thing. Um, and the next thing you know, I'm sitting on stage being told that I'm going to do a live site review. Um, so that was kind of how I got into speaking at SEO conferences. You know, by the time my career was over, I had done well over a hundred presentations, probably closer to two. Um, and, you know, kind of just fell into it. But I didn't, you know, I did it as a, a give back because it, again, you know, if, if Mike Mackin hadn't reached out to me in that, that forum, and if I hadn't found webmaster world and made all the friends that I did there and traded all the info with the people that I did there, um, you know, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't be where I was cause I'm pretty determined, but I probably wouldn't have gotten there as fast as I did. Absolutely. And how did, how did that just get thrown on stage? How, how did you perform? Oh my God. <laughs> I do not, you know, it's interesting because I spoke a few times after that and they were always site review panels, which for whatever reason I was fine with, I was fine with mm -hmm. sitting down behind a computer because I'd kind of just block out that there was anybody in the audience. You know, I'm just looking through to see, you know, where they messed up, what they did, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so the first time that I ever had to give like a speech speech, like, you know, PowerPoint deck standing at the podium was at SES uh, Search Engine Strategies Toronto. And I remember being absolutely horrified, terrified, like the night before I swore I was telling Chris Sherman that I wasn't gonna speak. Um, I just, it was, it was completely nerve wracking. Um, and I remember going in, I remember speaking, I don't remember anything that I said. Um, I didn't five seconds after my session, I didn't remember anything I said. Um, and so people were coming up to me and they were like, wow, that was a great job. And I'm like, thanks. What did I say? I <laughs> um, 
But yeah, wow. that's the first time. But over the years, obviously, I got you know now I do it, and it's it's second nature to to speak mm-hmm. in front of large groups. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome, and and that that's great that you know, Brett told you to go up there and you, and you did and, and went from there. I mean, again, you've helped so many folks with that. So, so thanks. Um, and so, so let's just back to the affiliate side of things, you know, it, it's roughly, let's say, you know, the late aughts, um, or late O's, however you want to want to say that. <laughs> and, you know, things are going good on the affiliate side. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of killing it with MFE. And then um, you also had started a an agency with two partners and kind of going after um, both the client side work and also kind of stick sticking with the affiliate work as well, correct? Yes. So I always I always kept my affiliate sites throughout that entire uh, you know thing. As far as even even when I owned Pushfire, I still had uh, later on I still had my affiliate sites. Um, Definitely, they they were you know we used to call call it affiliate crack right like once you once you tried it you had to have more so yeah definitely wasn't something I was giving up um, but I mean I guess it was one of those things like I would have people contact me all the time and want to hire me to do audits or you know to to do consulting work for them and it, it just wasn't I mean there were a few times that I said okay um, and I did uh, some consulting work but for the most part. Um, you know, I just didn't like having to answer anybody. Like, frankly, I was very spoiled entering the industry as an affiliate, right? Because mm-hmm. I didn't answer to anybody but myself. Um, there were no phone calls. If I didn't feel like working that day, I didn't work. Um, so going into, uh, you know, having clients was just, you know, it was definitely not the trajectory that I was like, that's what I want to do instead of doing whatever I want, whenever I feel like it. Um, so, uh, no, but, um, so, uh, actually the, the two people that I owned that agency with, they actually decided they wanted to start an agency. Um, they, uh, approached me because they wanted, they, one, they knew I was experienced with running a company, um, which neither one of them had experience with at that time. Um, but they were also kind of looking, you know, branding wise, they just thought that if they, they partnered with me, um, that, uh, you know, it would give them brand recognition from like the very start. Um, and so, you know, I was okay with that. Um, I was, you know, the, the initial thing was, was that I would run the company, but I wouldn't be doing much of the actual client work. Um, and so, um, you know, we did that and I just, I don't play well with others. I mean, I've just learned, (laughs) um, over, over the years, you know, I'm, I'm very headstrong. Um, you know, I'm also very, very protective of my reputation. Um, so it's, it's, it it is, it is kind of hard to, to do things in a way, because again, I'm, I'm so overprotective of my reputation, um, that I feel like anything that could, could possibly tarnish it, um, you know, is, is something that, that, that I probably get over, over anxious about, or, you know, over upset about, it's, it's probably a bit of a bottleneck sometimes. Um, I, I hear you. I hear you. And then, um, you know, I know that, that you had stepped away there, but started back in, and it was 2012 when you started push fire. Yeah. So I, I, I left that agency. Um, I stepped down and I kind of semi-retired for a little bit. Um, I, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do next. I knew that, um, affiliate was getting harder. I I don't want to say like, I, I still think, I still to this day think affiliate marketing contains a ton of amazing opportunities. Um, but it was, it was kind of getting harder and it wasn't even that it was getting harder, so to speak, as Google was getting more, uh, more brash, more, they were getting bigger, they were getting more corporate by the day. Um, and you know, I, I felt like they, they really didn't care anymore. Um, you know, if, if they made a change to their results, you know, and John's bike shop who never did anything wrong, his site got torched. Um, but it made their top 10 results better. I don't think they gave a shit about John's bike shop anymore. I, I don't think, um, you know, for me kind of, when, when Matt left, you know, relations came and he was still there at that time. Um, but I just kind of like, uh, I don't know, just, I had lost my kind of thing for it. Like I just kind of had been there, done that, climbed the affiliate mountain. 
Um, mm-hmm. then been there, done that climb, the agency mountain, you know, we did turn that, that agency into, uh, you know, big brand recognition. So, um, and I kind of done both and I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm really bored. Um, and so, uh, at that point I had already met and married Sean. Um, and so Sean had his own agency, uh, Sean Dolan, he's my, my husband. Um, and so I had met and married him and I said, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to take a little bit off cause I don't know what's next. I don't know what I want to do next. Um, and I kind of think I knew that was when I started thinking about like, maybe there's something outside of digital marketing. Like maybe I've just been doing this for, for too long. Like maybe I'm just burnt out and maybe I'm not. And there were times in my career where I would get burnt out and I would take a break for a few weeks and then I'd be fine. But this burnout was different. It was, Mm. it, it, it felt more permanent. It felt more, you know, when I did, when I did finally say, okay, I'm going to come back. I felt like I was going to a job, even though mm-hmm. I was self-employed. Uh, and so it, it just didn't, you know, I, I just wasn't passionate about it anymore. Um, the industry had also fragmented so much, um, you know, that, uh, organic real estate seemed to be going away. There was less of, uh, less fulfillment, I guess, from, you know, really being able to, to rank someone. It wasn't the, um, you know, end all be all like it used to be, I guess you could say. And so I just kind of took a break. Um, and then I said to my husband, I said, you know what? I want to retire. I said, I think I'm done. Like I, I don't know what I want to do. Um, well, first I said, I want to retire. And my (laughs) husband's like, have you met you? You're never going to be able to retire. He's like, you'll be 90 trying to work on something. (laughs) And I said, well, not retire, retire, like not go play golf. I was like, but I, I think I'm done like in the digital marketing space. Um, and so he goes, well, what do you, what do you want to do instead? And like, kudos to my husband because I I had a very lucrative career as an SEO Mm. and affiliate. Um, and so he's like, well, what are you going to do instead? And I'm like, I don't know yet. And I said, but I, I do know that, that I want to kind of start planning for the fact that I want to be out, um, you know, within the next three or four years. Um, and so we actually decided to launch Pushfire. And from the day that we launched Pushfire, we knew that I eventually would no longer be there. I didn't know that. I didn't know that, that you knew that all the way back then. Yes. So we knew from day one that hmm. I would eventually no longer be there. Um, what the, the, the plan that I had was, um, you know, and it didn't go exactly to plan and there were definitely some bumps along the way and it took more like six years Mm -hmm. (laughs) before I was gone. Um, but you know, my plan was take, take all this reputation and brand that I've built, um, create this new brand push fire, use my brand to prop it up in the beginning. Um, we were obviously SEO heavy clientele Mm -hmm. we did SEO and paid because my, my husband is actually, you know, the paid guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we did SEO and paid, but we were very SEO heavy at the beginning because of my reputation. Um, and so just over time, um, you know, as we got, as we built the brand and we got more and more PPC clients, the plan was, and w- exactly what we did was as we got more and more PPC clients, we would rehome SEO clients. Um, hmm. so we, we eventually stopped offering SEO services at all. Um, and we had moved everybody that was a monthly client to trusted partners. Um, and then I was just doing audit work after that. But again, I'm really anal retentive with my reputation. So, um, I just was never comfortable with, you know, white labeling that out or, or hiring that out. I always wanted to be the ones to, to do the audits myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my reputation, you know, I was working with larger companies and so they had really good budgets. So, I mean, I, I made a lot still just doing audits. Um, but again, we, we knew that that was just as we built the paid side of the company, but the bigger thing was, I didn't know what I wanted to leave for yet. Um, I mean, what I I wasn't going to leave for another job, you know, I wasn't (laughs) going to leave for, for, 
know, I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do something that I don't particularly like, I'll keep doing the thing that I make a lot of money at. Um, so you know, and we actually had multiple clients in the real estate investing industry um, since Sean actually had them before he even met me. Um, and then he would always be talking about it, and he would always be like, "Oh, you know, we should buy some rental properties." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, digital, digital, digital." Um, <laughs> And so we would always talk about it. And so we had this client that was launching like this, this seminar or something one weekend. Um, and it was on a Friday in Houston. I am a hermit. So I do not like to leave the five square miles surrounding my house. Um, and so he's like, Hey, you know, can you come out to this, this seminar, you know, to show support for our clients? And I'm like, in Houston on a Friday? Are you out of your mind? Um, but I ended up having a few friends of mine go. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll come, but I'm going to stay for an hour. That's it. And then I'm out of there. And he was like, that's fine. So I went up, you know, I sit next to him. It starts and it didn't even take me the whole hour. I turned, I looked at Sean and I said, I found my new mountain. I found my <laughs> new thing. It's it was, and it's so similar to affiliate marketing, like at its core, which is probably why I fell in love with it. Um, you know, you, I used to say when I was an affiliate that, that one of the things about affiliate marketing was you only eat what you kill. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, if I didn't rank, I didn't make any money. Um, it wasn't like if I didn't rank, I had to explain to myself why, why I wasn't ranking. And then I still paid myself for another month. You know, I, it was, it was either make sales or don't eat. Um, and so real estate investing, um, and real estate in general is a lot like that. Um, I loved the fact that there was a low barrier to entry. Like if you were willing to hustle, um, an SEO was, and I think still is like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if you, if you're willing to hustle, like, you know, you, you can become very successful in the real estate industry, same as in digital marketing, um, and the, the events, I mean, you know, they, there's a saying in real estate and I find it extremely campy, but I'm going to say it anyway, that your network is your net worth. Um, and you know, it was kind of the same way in, in SEO. I mean, you learned more at the bars at one o'clock in the morning at the conferences than you did in the sessions. No offense to anybody who spoke in the sessions. Cause I, spoke in the <laughs> um, but, and I mean, so they have these real estate events and like, you know, if people see other people that are hustlers, they've got no problem, like teaming up with them. And so, I mean, it just, it had so many similarities, but I was just like, this, this, like, I love this. Um, mm. and you know, it's pretty funny because I used to do, so I, we've moved a lot. Um, and so basically what I used to do is I would buy a house, I would get it decorated exactly how I wanted it and perfect. And then I would sell it. And I repeated this process for like five years. So my daughter was just thrilled that she was no longer going to be the one moving for me to buy and sell houses, um, after I <laughs> remodeled them. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, I went to that seminar and buy, you know, and I looked at Sean, I was like, you're going to have to go home. I'm staying. Um, <laughs> I stayed the whole rest of the weekend. And within two weeks, I had our first two rental properties under contract, um, did it completely wrong, spent a ton of money that I didn't have to spend. Um, but I was hooked, like, you know, and so it was not even a year later, um, that hurricane Harvey hit. And so I was doing the real estate stuff kind of on the side. And so I knew that that's what I was leaving for. Um, but the company wasn't quite ready for me to, to leave yet. Right. We, we still had some, some, uh, teased across and some eyes and that. And, uh, so, you know, people knew that I was doing real estate. If you followed me on Twitter, you know, people probably realized that I started tweeting about real estate a lot. Um, and so I was kind of, unofficially doing it almost full time at that point. Um, but publicly I was still, you know, quote unquote, sugar Ray and push fire. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, Harvey happened. Um, and that was crazy. Um, our area was, was hit huge by that. Um, and it, it kind of opened up, you know, it, it, it made a huge opportunity for, for real estate investors in the area. Um, you know, once, once the whole, you know, savior of fellow citizens, et cetera, et cetera, dried down, um, you know, once the news cameras 
left, I mean, there were neighborhoods that were just completely destroyed. Um, and one of those neighborhoods was a neighborhood called Bear Creek. Um, and, you know, a lot of people heard about Canyon Gate or, or uh, other places, you know, in the Houston area. But Bear Creek was kind of like a, a working class neighborhood um, that was right next to the Attucks Reservoir. And so the Army Corps of Engineers, they basically thought the reservoirs were going to break. Um, and so to avoid flooding 100,000 homes, they made the decision to purposely flood about five to 10,000 homes. Um, and so Bear Creek is a neighborhood right next to the attics and they have 1,200 houses. 800 of them flooded in Harvey. Um, wow. And when I say flooded, Greg, I mean like four and a half feet of water inside their homes. I've seen uh, your Instagram account. I believe you when you say flooded. Yes. Yes. So they, they flooded. And so it was crazy because where I lived, there were several businesses and stuff that flooded. Don't get me wrong where we lived. Right. Mm -hmm. But within a month, I would say, you know, other than the occasional rebuild here and there, I mean, everything was pretty much cleaned up in, in most of my area and where I was. Um, but Bear Creek, like six months after Harvey still looked like a war zone. Hmm. Um, I mean, there was still drywall and trash all over the streets and the lawns. You would drive down a street and it was like a ghost town. Like there would be 50 houses on a street and like two RVs and that's it. Like there was no one else to be found. Um, and so real estate investors, I mean, yeah, there was an opportunity for us to make profit, but I mean, who else is going to buy a house that took on four and a half feet of water has to be gutted to the studs <laughs> and rebuilt. Right. Um, so I actually, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how to rehab a flood house, but I met a woman, um, who was 72. She was living in the house with her three granddaughters. Um, they lost everything. They got out with a backpack each. Um, and she looked at me and she had actually contacted Sean because Sean throughout Hurricane Harvey was in the Cajun Navy. So he was doing mm -hmm. water rescues. Um, and so she had had, you know, somehow come into contact with Sean while he was in the Cajun Navy. And, you know, something was said about real estate investing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so she later contacts him on Facebook and says, hey, you know, I have this house. Do you guys want to come out and buy it for me? So we went out and like I walked through this house and it's just it's bricks and studs like and a roof. That That's all it is. Um, and you know, I, I just said, I really don't know what I'm doing, but we're going to find out. Um, I kind of just jumped um, and bought this flood house that needed a $60,000 renovation. Um, and, and, you know, I definitely learned that that house. I actually ended up, I did well on that house. I ended up being able to keep it, refinance it, put renters in it. Um, it cash flows about $400 a month and awesome. I paid my lenders back. And I didn't have to put any money down on the house. So that was what they refer to in the industry as a burr. Um, mm -hmm. So I didn't have to put any money in. And I basically got a free house for my time of rehabbing it. Um, but, um, you know, I made, I, I learned some stuff, made some mistakes. And then the guy next door came up to me and said, well, do you want to buy my house too? So I ended up buying his house. Um, you know, it's a year and a half later. And I'm still getting calls from people that I initially met back there asking me if I want to buy their house. Um, you know, because some, some of them have waited this long to decide whether or not to, to rebuild or move on. Um, so yeah, so I mean, it was just, it was, it was crazy. So I, I flip, I buy and hold, um, I wholesale, I do something called wholetailing, which is basically you buy the house, you actually close on it. Um, and then you do something minor, like clean it out so that there's no trash in it. Right. Um, or just replace the carpets or, you know, something lower end, you're not doing a whole renovation. And so that's referred to as a, a wholetail, um, cause you're, it's half wholesale, half retail. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like right now I've got, um, I've actually got my little whiteboard behind me. So I bought a house that burned down that is almost finished being rebuilt and that'll go on the market in two weeks. Um, I have another house in the near North side, uh, that is currently in rehab. We're rebuilding that one from the studs up. Um, I have another one that's a hold that I just bought that the owner is actually in lease back. Um, that will be a wholesale. Um, and then I am closing on one tomorrow. Um, that will be a full remodel. I just sold two on, uh, Monday of this week. 
Um, and then I'll be closing on more next week. So at any, any given time at this point, I'm flipping four to five houses. Wow. Um, and right now we have five rental properties. So that's incredible. Um, but I plan to, to add a lot this year. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, a year and a half in a year full time. Um, but I mean, I, I love it. It's, it's what SEO used to be to me back in 2001, 2002. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, I want to get on my computer, you know, I want mm -hmm. to, to, I mean, like I like spend time in Home Depot. Like most girls want to go to the mall. I get <laughs> kicks out of going to Home Depot. Uh, so, nice. Yeah. And you it. answered, you answered exactly what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if that, that passion for digital marketing has transferred over. And I mean, it, it sounds like it has and then some, and then, I mean, the other thing that I can, I can feel, just from talking with you is that creativity that you had before and just ways to come up with unique solutions, um, that that also is a really nice parallel with digital marketing and SEO. And, you know, again, just figuring out the solution and what works for a certain property, which, which sounds, sounds amazing. Um, yeah. it's, it's, and, and, and you there's so, there's so many solutions yeah, exactly. And, and again, I was going to ask what, what type of real estate you're in, but it sounds like everything, um, which is awesome. And it's been a year since, since that happened. You, I believe you officially put in the, the public retirement um, in March of 2018. Do you miss SEO at all? Do you miss digital marketing at all? I know that people want me to say yes. <laughs> um, I miss, I miss the people. So do I miss getting to see people at, at conferences, you know, here and there? Yes. Um, but I mean, as far as I, I kind of feel like here, here's how I feel about SEO. I feel like it's an ex-husband that I'm very glad I was married to, but I'm very glad I'm no longer married to. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, I don't know how else to explain it. I mean, I wouldn't trade a single moment that I spent in SEO. I mean, even the times when I ended up with, with egg on my face, um, mm -hmm. there's not a single moment that I would trade in SEO, but, um, I'm so glad to have moved on to something else. So I guess the short answer, unfortunately, is no, I, I really don't. <laughs> Fair enough. And if you want to follow Ray on any of those um, real estate ventures, you can find her at amihousebuyers.com um, and also buying Katie, as you are also a, a certified realtor, correct? Uh, yeah. And that's actually one of the plays when you were talking about like creative marketing, that's, that's one of the plays when we're working with people in foreclosure, um, is I am actually, I, I, the way I put it to people is that I specialize in time sensitive sales, but I kind of created the, the aspect of a real estate agent dealing with time sensitive sales. Um, so I mean, not created and I'm sure there's other people, but as far as, you know, it's not really a, a widely known thing. Um, so it's kind of this, this little niche, um, that I'm working with that allows me to, um, you know, pick up clients where, whereas other realtors, you know, it, it takes them several years of being a realtor to build up clientele. Um, but you know, I've been able to do it fairly quickly because I can, you know, one, I'm great at negotiating. Um, <laughs> so it's like, I can, you know, I, I, I put these people's houses on the market and I'm smart and I know what to look out for. And it's kind of a, uh, double-edged sword, right? Because most of the time people that are in time sensitive sales, so meaning they're going to get foreclosed on or they're somehow going to lose their house. People that are in time sensitive sales, um, most of the time it's going to be an investor that buys their property. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, one of the things that I like about being able to, and there's all sorts of, don't get me wrong, like. I'm a legit real estate investor, but there's plenty of, you know, I guess the best way to put it so that SEO would understand it is there's plenty of black hat realtors. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm definitely a white hat realtor. So, um, there's, there's ways that, you know, all sorts of ways, all sorts of tricks that, that, you know, not so legit investors can pull, um, that will end up, you know, resulting in these homeowners ending up in foreclosure. Um, and so one of the, the things that I pitch to people is because I am an investor, I know what those tricks are. Um, and I make sure that if a client lists on the market, um, you know, on the open market, um, that the investors, you know, that the offer is the best possible offer that they can get. Um, 
and that it's free of any of those common loopholes or clauses that investors will try and stick into contracts um, to to kind of you know protect themselves against you know getting in trouble for not performing. But if they don't perform, the homeowner ends up at auction. So um, so yeah, it's just you know creating solutions, and it just gives me something completely new to learn. So fantastic. So check those out. We'll we'll talk about it at the end as well. And then if you have time for a quick lightning round, um, I've got a few quick questions to have you answer. And first okay. off is, is there a book or a blog post or a site that has the biggest impact on you in your career, both real estate and digital marketing? Oh, easy. The E-Myth Revisited. Um, that was Jimmy, my partner in MFE, told me that I had to read that book. Um, it was it had the biggest impact on my business life um, of any book that I've ever read. And if somebody wants to be an entrepreneur and somebody wants time wealth, um, that is the book I would recommend reading to, to this day. It is the most, I, I read it probably in 2006 and to this day, it's been the most uh, impactful on my career. Yeah, and I think they came out with a real estate version, too, with uh, Than Merrill from that TV show. So a few different versions out there, but that's a great book. Oh, I, didn't even, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What was the biggest mistake you made throughout your marketing, digital marketing career? Oh, my God. That would be my mouth and my inability <laughs> to let things go. Um, <laughs> You got to remember, I was like 20 when I got into this industry, right? So um, I, I had a lot of stuff to to learn, and and you know, just I, I'd say the the biggest mistake was one, caring what anybody else said, and two, wasting my time with things that uh, you know. It's funny, I I created like a little poster years later, um, and the poster says. Uh, something along the lines of, does it make you money, increase your happiness or improve the world? If not, don't do it. <laughs> and I, that, that would be my biggest mistake is I spent so much time wrapped up in things that now, you know, 20, 15, 10, five years later, um, that I don't even remember and could care less about, could, you know, couldn't care less about. So, um, you know, kind of just staying focused, don't let the, the, uh, I guess, you know, the, the social high school popularity, et cetera, side of it distract you. I mean, just head down, stay focused, do the parts of the work that you love, outsource what you don't, um, and don't sweat the small stuff. Great answer. All right. And then in your opinion, what is the most important factor for building a successful business? Oh, being willing to be wrong. Hmm. <laughs> Be, being willing to be wrong and being willing to admit that your way might not be the best way, um, knowing where your weaknesses are. Um, and that's something that it took me a long time to learn. Um, so, but just being able to, being able to put your ego aside, um, and, and look at it completely detached and, and being willing to hear other ideas that aren't your own and being willing to look at other processes that aren't ones that necessarily you think might work um, the best. Um, but I, I think just being, being willing to be wrong and to admit being wrong, I know that sounds like, but that, that's something that, that I think is a rare quality in, you know, the types of people that tend to become entrepreneurs are, are tend to be, you know, type A personalities, pushy people. Um, and so I, I think, you know, being, being able to admit that, that you're wrong, um, or, or just admit that there might be a better way than your way. Absolutely. And then last up, I'm going to make you give me an answer here. Uh, what is your favorite type of real estate? You've talked about buying holds. You've talked about flips. You've talked about Burr, which is buying, rehabbing, um, uh, refinancing, and then repeating. What, if you had to choose one, what do you love the most with real estate? So I'm going to give you, can I give you like an answer and a half? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so the first answer would be, um, I, I, I definitely think I like, flips um the most out of real estate when it comes to just straight up the type of real estate like as far as the house itself like what i'm my exit strategy so when it comes to exit strategy um flips 
when it comes to acquisition strategy, I work with a lot of people um, that are heading into foreclosure um, mm -hmm. and being able to pull people like back from the jaws of foreclosure is extremely fulfilling. Um, I actually have somebody who is sitting in closing right now um, who they came to me. Um, they had a house. They lost their son in a motorcycle accident. Um, four months later, Harvey destroyed their roof. So they didn't get any ground flooding, but their roof fell in and then it rained in their house for five days. Um, they were an old couple. They didn't know what to do with the insurance agency. The insurance agency paid them out $16,000 for a completely destroyed house, um, which should be criminal in my opinion. But, um, and so they weren't able to fix the house. So they had to leave the house. And so then they have this house that they can't get rid of or that, you know, they, they thought they couldn't get rid of. Um, and so long story short, they ended up in foreclosure. Um, they didn't know what they were going to do. I found them a week before foreclosure. Um, I put their house under contract. I sold the contract to another investor. Um, I am making a whopping $240 <laughs> um, <laughs> as an assignment fee. Um, but these people are not going to lose their house. Um, and That's they're awesome. not going to have a foreclosure on their record. Somebody else is buying the house and is going to take over it. And the money that they got from the insurance that the mortgage company has been holding hostage because they didn't have enough money to fix the whole house will actually be refunded to them. So, you know, and I told the the daughter because she said that, you know, they really believe that the son brought me into their life. And I said, you know, she said, are you at least going to make some money on this? And I said, you know, not everything's about money. Sometimes karma pays you back. And so when, when I get the ability to help somebody that really needed a break, um, and I am able to come up with a creative solution that allows them to get one. That is probably my favorite thing about what I do in real estate investing. Well, that is quite the way to end it here in the lightning round. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast, the show today. To find more information, you can see uh, all of Ray's work over the past years on SugarRay.com. That's S-U-G-A-R-R-A-E. Um, we'll have links to everything in the show notes. Uh, one one of my favorite posts maybe ever that, that is on there, and that was a post you had, uh, 11 Things My Son Taught Me About Life and Business. We'll link right to that. It is a must-read for everybody listening today. Um, you are also currently an advisor still at Pushfire, um, which is a, that digital marketing agency that you're still uh, that is operated now by your husband Sean, and that's Pushfire.com. And then, if you are looking for any of those solutions that Ray talked about, you can find that um, the real estate, the uh, realtor side on BuyingKatie.com. And then, if you'd want to see the, uh, if you're one of those folks that are in a pickle or just looking to offload a property, you have amihousebuyers.com. Did, did I miss anything on there? Nope. I think you got it all. Okay. And then where's the best place for people to follow you, follow along? I know you've got some great photos and you can tag along and see exactly what you're doing currently. Where should people go to, to follow along? Um, so me as an individual human being, I'm on Twitter as at Sugar Ray, S-U-G-A-R-R-A-E. Um, when it comes to like the real estate ventures, uh, Instagram uh, at AMI House Buyers. All right. And that does it for today's show. Thank you so much, Ray. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review, or share with a colleague. If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered.